it's a rare treat to come across a story that contains within it a story within a story, with each part and each subpart being fascinating in its own right. This story, which is recorded in the work of Mechit Sosam, a wonderful collection of anecdotes and, and vignettes and stories of Rav Shlomo Lorenz's long history with the great Gdol Yisrael of yesteryear, is one such amazing story with a story within a story. The Briska Rav would each year get an esrog brought from the wilds of Morocco. Due to concerns that the trees in Eris Yisrael at the time may possibly have had some type of tampering, and without getting involved right now in the laws of Morkov, of not having any grafting done to the tree, but out of some concern for that, he preferred to have an esrog that was brought from a wild, uncultivated territory, and as such, each year, an esrog would be uh, sent from Morocco, from those forests of Morocco to Eretz Yisrael. Well, this particular year, it was the year Tafshin Yudches, just over 60 years ago, the esrog arrived very late. Basically, Erev Sukkot came to the airport in Lod, and when Rav Shlomo Lorenz went to pick up the esrog, he encountered a problem in the fact that this was a fresh fruit, and fresh fruit always concerns of infestation, it's not so quick to let it go, and a whole debate as to who had the authority within the airport to release this esrog. And as this was Erev Yom Tov, and the clock ticking, and each person he went to deflecting it to the next person, bureaucracy getting in the way of making this a simple process, and getting to- close now to the afternoon, he had to get back to Shalayim. He had to leave, unfortunately, without esrog in hand. He had to come back to the Briskarov with the bad news that, unfortunately, he would not be able to provide him that esrog that year for Sukkot. The Briskarov was clearly dejected, but said, at least we have many days of Cholomoid. If, in the meantime, Baruch Hashem, there are many other esrogim, certainly not with the level of guarantee that I had on that esrog, and I so much wanted to have that esrog, but hopefully you'll be able to bring it to me on Cholomoid instead. Well, Rav Shlomorentz raced back to the airport on the first day of Cholomoid, expecting that, okay, now a little more time will be fairly easy, but not quite so. Each person that he turned to, again, deflecting the issue up the chain, down the chain, who is the right person that has the right to release this esrog? And eventually, after another day, and this going on, Rav Shlomo Lorenz went to the director of the airport and said, look, you have to be able to override and allow somebody to release this esrog. And he said, well, I would love to, but it's really not up to me. It's not up to anybody in the airport, because this is under the, uh, under the banner of the Sar uh, HaChakla'ot, the Deputy of Agriculture. The Minister of Agriculture is the only party who can allow the release of that fresh fruit. Okay, he has to now find the Minister of Agriculture. And he determined, Rav Shlomo Lorenz was a member of the Knesset, easy enough to find out who is the Minister of the Agriculture and how he can be reached. It's a man by the name of Kadish Loz, who lives in Kibbutz Deganya. Well, no cell phones. Most people didn't even have home phones in those days. Uh, he gets the number for the Misrad, for the office of Kibbutz Deganya, which will be the way to make contact with this Mr. Kadish Loz. And they tell him, well, unfortunately, we can't put calls into him. He's been ill. 
After prodding a little bit more, he determines that Mr. Kaddish Loz is in the hospital. He's in the hospital, in Hadassah Hospital in Yerushalayim, where the story originated. So, Rav Shlomo Lorenz races to the hospital, Hadassah Hospital, to try to see if he can get Kaddish Loz to authorize releasing the Esrog, and is told no visitors. After explaining who he represents, the Briskorov, and he himself, a Chavar Knesset, a member of parliament, he is given access for a brief meeting with Kaddish Loz, who says, Ah, I would love to help you. But, I can't just pick up a phone and tell anybody, how do they know it's me? They're going to need to have a paper signed by me. It has to be my official stationery. I don't have my stationery with me, but if you can get my stationery from my office in Tel Aviv, I would be happy to sign that you have the capacity to take that esrog out of the airport. Well, another day goes by with racing up to Tel Aviv, getting that piece of paper, bringing it back down to Shalayim, into the hospital, getting Kaddish Lowe's to sign on that paper, and then back to the airport. But as the days have progressed, we're now toward the end of Cholomoyed Sukkot, Hoshana Rabbah, and when this paper is brought back, and everybody recognizes that the deputy of the of agriculture, Mr. Kaddish Lowe's, has allowed the release of the Esrog, there's one problem. Nobody could find the key to the room within, ish, within which the Esrog is locked. And it's determined, oh, yeah, that's probably one of those very rare keys that's in the pocket of a particular custodian who is out for vacation. Well, it's Sukkos after all. And bottom line, the Esrog is not going to be released, physically can't be taken out of the airport, and Rav Shlomo Lorenz has to come back to the Briskorov on the last day of Cholomai Tzukas and Hoshana Rabbah and break the news to him that he's not going to be able to have that perfect Esrog this year. He tells this news to the Briskorov, and the Briskorov says, Okay, let's get ready for Shemini Atzeres. What? No, no pain? No grief? Until now, I've seen you so agitated, so distressed, so dejected over not having the Esrog, and just like that on a dime, or maybe a shekel, you are switching tracks, so now just focus on Yamtif, and the Briskorov says, let me tell you a story. The Briskorov tells him that way back when I was a young Rav, back in Brisk, a gentleman in my community came over to me, and he begged me for assistance. He said, my mother is getting older, she lives in a little small shtetl of Ragov, and no other family over there. I'm over here in Brisk. I can't relocate my family and my business that's here in Brisk to go be with her in Ragov. And I would love to have her join us living here in Brisk. I can't convince her to do so. There's nothing for her back in Ragov. There's no family for her, and there's no particular reason for her to stay there. But each time I bring up the topic... She declines and she says, No, I'm fine where I am. I'm staying in Rogov. Maybe you can help me. Maybe the Rav can help convince my mother to come live here in Brisk. The Brisk Rav says, Listen, tell, tell me next time she's in town. She does come and spend Yom with you. When she's in town, bring her to me and we'll have a discussion. I think I can convince her. The Kachava is exactly what happened. The next time there was a Yom the uh, mother came from Rogov to be with her children in Brisk, and the son brings the mother for a visit to the Briskorov. And the Briskorov tells her as follows. He says, look, 
you raised your son so beautifully that he wants to be able to do the mitzvah of kibbutz aim. He wants to be fulfilling the mitzvah of honoring his mother. Your remote makes it rather difficult for him to be doing so on a regular basis. And would it be nice for you to move together, to be here in Brisk, so that he can be fulfilling that mitzvah more, trying to turn it into for the son's sake rather than for her sake? Logically, of course, this woman's going to listen and hopefully move here to Brisk. Says this woman, Briskerov, let me tell you a story. Says this woman, my grandparents lived in Rugov. My grandparents lived in Rugov, and they, like everybody else in Rugov, were fairly poor, just getting by, no extra kopeka ruble in the house, lived a very basic life. And each year, when it came to Sukkis, they would, like everybody else in town, line up for opportunities to be able to use the one or two esrogim that came to town. The Rav usually got one, maybe another one or two gvirim in town had, a, had an esrog. And it was a big deal for them to be able to do the mitzvah of love and esrog, but no havamina, no thought that they would have their own. Until one year, after the children were grown and out of the house, that they decided, you know, we really, at this stage of life, should be able to save a little bit and listen to the aspirations of a family in Rugov in those years. The aspiration was to save to be able to afford our own Arba Minim, to buy our own Lulav and Esrog. And that's what they did. Week after week, they put aside one kopik or one ruble and they would uh, put it together in a little sack. And as it got closer, end of the summer, that there was going to be the fair, the market, in the big town where the Esrogim came, they traveled and they went to Vilna to be able to purchase an Esrog. And they came to the market where the Esrogim were being sold. My grandfather was very proud to bring his little pouch of money and put it, spread the money on the counter in front of the Mokhar Esrogim, and he said, I'd like to buy an Esrog. So the uh, seller said, um... Beautiful, you love to buy an esrog, that's wonderful, but where's the rest of the money? My, my grandfather said, rest of the money? What do you mean? Here, I spread out all this money here on, on your countertop. I said, yeah, well, that can buy you maybe half an esrog. Esrogum are very expensive. They have to be shipped a long distance, and, and so few of them survive the, the shipping. A kosher esrog, I can't sell a kosher esrog for that amount of money. My grandparents looked at each other, and they were so distraught. Here they were so looking forward to being able to purchase their own Arbaminim. And they made a decision at that moment. You know, the children are grown out of the house. We don't really need the house anymore. We can sell the house. We'll rent a little clean apartment. And if we sell the house, we'll certainly have enough money to come back and buy an Estrog. And that is what they did. My grandparents sold their home to be able to afford an esrog. And they came back to the market after having sold their home with enough cash to buy an esrog, and hopefully a little bit more too. But they were able to now buy an esrog with that cash from the sale of their home. When they got back to Rugov, they were heroes. What did a yid and rug of value in those days? What was a big deal? That somebody was most nefesh for a mitzvah, that somebody owned their own esrog. This was stunning. And people lined up 
to see the beautiful esrog that my grandfather had bought. And as the people lined up and each had a moment to hold in his hand that wonderful esrog, you can probably guess the end of this story. One of the people in that line, I guess it was the last person in the line to be holding the esrog, dropped the esrog and broke the pitom in a deep enough way that it was damaged enough that it was rendered not kosher. Now, before anybody paskas and halachas from the story, if your Esau pitom does break, ask a shayla before you say it's no good. Not always so simple, but... The reality is, here, this beautiful esrog was no longer fit for use. And everybody turned to my grandparents, expecting them to faint, if not at least shriek. And my grandfather turned to my grandmother, and he said to her, I guess we'll stand in line and use the Rav's esrog on Sukkot. And when people ask my grandfather, how do you maintain your composure? How are you still standing? How are you not crying? How are you able to shift on that dime or that shekel or that kopek and just switch tracks and say that we're going to use someone else's esrog? You, you sold your home for this esrog. How are you able to maintain yourself? My grandfather said... Until a minute ago, my mitzvah was to utilize this esrog. Now my mitzvah is to not get angry. Said this woman to the briskarov, I pass that home in Rogov on a regular basis. I pass the home that was the home that they sold to be able to afford an esrog. I pass the home that they sold to have the esrog, and despite having sold that home to, to buy that esrog, that they didn't collapse in anguish over the loss of that esrog because they recognized their new mitzvah of the moment was to not get angry and to move on with life. And I'm going to leave Rogov to move to Brisk and give up the incredible booster shot of inspiration and chizuk I get every time I pass that home? Said the briskerov to Rav Shlomo Lawrence. Until a minute ago, my mitzvah was to use the best possible esrog, which included trying to get an esrog that had the guarantee of nobody potentially having done any tampering with the tree, and to bother getting an esrog from Morocco, even though it meant bothering you, and it meant all that time and all that effort and all the finances, the trips back and forth to the airport, to be able to try to get the esrog that was the most perfect esrog. That was my mitzvah of the moment, but now I have a new mitzvah of the moment. I no longer have the mitzvah to be doing that mitzvah because that's no longer relevant. My next mitzvah is to look forward to a good yantaf, a shmini atzeres, and to shift toward that opportunity. The story within a story within a story. Incredible lessons. The lessons of that mesiras nefesh for mitzvahs. The dedication to wanting to do a mitzvah in the best way. The capacity to give up so much to be able to do a mitzvah, to have that recognition of the value of a mitzvah, and the incredible lesson of that flexibility to realize that if we have a mitzvah to do, we've got to do that mitzvah, but if we shift, that's no longer the mitzvah, we're now on a different track, then we've got to do the next mitzvah the best possible way. And we may be wanting to be on one track, and expecting to be on one track, and expecting that to be our mitzvah, but if circumstances have changed, 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu has shifted the tracks for us. That the track we thought was our track isn't the track, but now we have a new mitzvah facing us. That becomes our new mitzvah of the moment. Let's take advantage of those moments, take advantage of those mitzvahs, take advantage of those lessons, appreciate the mitzvah opportunities, and have the flexibility to be excellent in each opportunity that faces us. Grab that mitzvah of the moment.